you know what? Your opinion of me really doesn't matter to me because I've made it 32 years without you and I'll make it another 32 if I want. I had to contend with the era of the girl wrestlers being made fun of, contend with the diva era, and I had to contend now with all the stupid little MMA jujitsu fighters wanting to come into my ring. So let me tell you something. The easiest way for me to solve the mystery of this squared circle is to call out WoW's little favorite bully busters because there we have all that encompasses the last four decades. Vallejo Saga seems to be living in the past. So little Miss Stephanie Slays and Keita Rush, if you think you can take on my exile genesis and exodus, by all means, bring your scrawny little selves to this ring. You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. I am your host, Mr. Green, and I guess this week we have got a lot to unpack. First off, I am going to cram uh, a, a full wild review. As, it, as I've said the last time, I'm going through the unaired episodes of WoW that are on Pluto TV in the CW app for you to watch. I'm going to go through this and see just how weird it is to see some of the, whether the matches are good, which they've been good so far. And a couple of things that's been going on, of course, in the world of women's wrestling across the board and and a little bit of uh, you know wrestling news outside of that every once in a while. Uh, also, you know, I have to give a quick shout to go make sure you check out uh, MLW as I am uh, still kind of, you know, taking looks at their, their product here and there. I get that uh, sent over to me, and it is, it's been uh, entertaining, I, w- I will say, but I, I in this particular one, I won't be getting into MLW. I'm going to go through some of the other things that have been going on in wrestling. Thank you for tuning in, by the way. I do appreciate those of you who have gone to the channel, uh, uh, the downloads, listen to it on YouTube or Podbean or wherever you find your greater podcast. Uh, thank you for that. If you haven't uh, subscribed, please do or at least like the uh, the channel or the platform that you are listening to this on. Um, uh, so let, let's roll into it. First thing I have to ask, and uh, please, you know, your, your comments, if you w- would, um, th- about this one in particular, did anyone out there watch the Ring of Honor? This is uh, women's wrestling documentary, and I might be I might be butchering the name a little bit. So you know, as a matter of fact, while I'm while I'm talking about it, let me uh, let me just go to the the channel, make sure I okay yeah. This is women's wrestling, a Ring of Honor documentary. 
And uh, did anybody out there get a chance to look at this? I did watch it in full, and uh, they have an uncut version. I don't now I don't know which version I watched because as, as far as I know, uh, when I looked at it originally, there was only one version to see. So I'm not really sure if there's anything other than that. Uh, it was a, it was a fine documentary. It looked good. I don't think anybody that has taken the time to watch this would have thought differently that, oh, it's going to look bad or anything like that. No, it, it looked fine. Uh, but, but, it seems to me that it started off in one direction and then kind of went into another. And by that, I mean, the first thing that I was curious about walking into this was whether they were going to cover the entirety of Ring of Honor's women's wrestling history. Well, you know, the ups, the downs, uh, when they were partnered up with Shimmer, basically, uh, when they did the um, Women Women of Honor Championship. Were they going to touch on any of those things? And unfortunately, no. They, they did not touch on all of that. They talked about essentially the very short-term history of the Ring of Honor women's title. And I think it's, it's important to point out that the Women of Honor Championship and the Ring of Honor Women's Championship are two different things. They have uh, you know two different title histories. And with the exception of uh, Sumi Sakai, they really barely acknowledge the Women of Honor Championship at all. And uh, I'm a little disappointed with that, that they didn't talk about it. For that matter, that they didn't even bring the championship back. I mean, I know it's largely wrapped around somebody who has been, you know, excommunicated from Ring of Honor, that being Kelly Klein. But I didn't see a reason for them just to get rid of the championship altogether other than that they wanted a fresh start. And a fresh start they got, and that is where this documentary kicks in. It kicks in from seemingly Maria Canellas coming in saying, I want to, you know, start off a women's division and, you know, we want to do have a new championship and we're going to make this thing work. Uh, and... They do that. They had the interviews, and you know they, they are talking to these ladies. And the I would say the first fifteen to twenty minutes of that is all hearing them talk about them, not the persona they are in front of the the camera or in the ring. For the most part, it's them. You know, you you have some women who got very emotional there, talking about what it meant to them that just to be called by Ring of Honor to participate and all that stuff like that. And then it kind of slowly morphed into the recap of the tournament. And that's basically what this documentary is. It is a recap of the entire tournament. If you've never watched any of the matches in the uh, ROH Women, Women World Championship, if you never saw a single match in that, then you can watch this and you would understand who went where and how the eliminations took place, a little bit of the behind-the-scenes story. But 
by and large, it was like a video package that you would have before the next match or something like that. So informative in terms of the very short history of the ROH Women's World Championship, which I guess they're now on their second title holder because uh, Roxy, who was the tournament winner, I don't know if she would be considered an underdog or not, or was considered an underdog, but she she won the championship. And uh, as of what last month, she lost that title to Deanna Perrazzo. So Deanna Perrazzo, an Impact Wrestling contracted uh, wrestler, has now won the um, uh, the. ROH Women's World Championships. Uh, I guess it was another way to try to keep Ring of Honor alive and, and the uh, the mindset of fans. And keep in mind that that match was a winner-take-all match because Peraza walked into that as the uh, AAA Reina de Reyes champion. And, uh, of course, Roxy walked in as the ROH Women's World Champion, and it was uh, allegedly title for title. So... You got that. So, but anyway, as I was saying, nice documentary, but it didn't it didn't touch on anything other than a glancing commentary about the Women of Honor Championship. I I know it's probably a sore topic considering how it ended, but. I do think that it needs to be talked about somewhere, sometime by somebody. I doubt that Ring of Honor is going to do it, but they should address that. It should be addressed to some degree. I mean, it it at least had a two-year history behind it, and then it just kind of ended. As I I think it's only like three people that held the title, because I know Klein held it three times. She was basically the one person that held that held and controlled that championship throughout the majority of it being around. We know Sumi Sakai was the champion there. Uh, I think uh, Atawani, I might be pronouncing her name wrong. I know she won it. And Angelina Love, which (laughs) going back to the documentary, that gave them the ability to show Angelina Love holding a championship as they were saying, well, Angelina Love is a seven-time champion. You know, clearly they're talking about her run in TNA wrestling where she was the champion at that time for the knockouts division. But, you know, having that brief bit of footage of her holding on to the title for the two weeks that she had it, it gave them the ability to talk about her, you know, as, as a former champion with footage to add to it. And Sumit Sakai, like I said earlier, her her being the one that held the championship. And that was that was the one thing that they brought up about that. She was. She's a former Women of Honor champion, and then they kind of moved on. So, uh, if anybody saw that, I would love to hear your your thoughts about it. I thought it was nicely put together, but ultimately, it just seemed like a you know video package recap, a, a very long video package recap. So, let me know what you think. Uh, other news that took place. You know, we we are just behind the Royal Rumble as I am recording this. I heard some people complaining about the Rumble, or at least the event in and of itself. I did not think that the women's version of it was all that bad, despite 
well, let me not say despite, aside from the ending of the Rumble itself. The Rumble match was fine. I wanted other things to take place in it, but it was okay. I mean, you know, I, I didn't walk into it really expecting all that much, to be honest. Uh, I, I tuned in specifically to see how they were going to treat Mickey James. I knew she wasn't going to win this thing. I didn't care what they said in uh, Impact Wrestling. She she gave a big speech. I mean, and it was great. It was a great speech, you know, to, talking about what it meant and that she was going back and she was planning to win and she was going, you know, I want to challenge and Charlotte and go to WrestleMania champion versus champion, title versus title. Now, we all knew that that was never going to happen. The second she said, it sounded good on, on Impact Television, but we all knew that that was never going to happen. And if she did, by some fluke or, you know, shooting star wish or whatever you want to call it, she was never going to win. So not on a WWE stage against their prize woman, Charlotte Flair. And by the time the, the rumble started coming around anyway, the, the news or the rumors that Rousey was returning had already popped up. So it, it wasn't really that much to be considered in, in that regard. But I will say I, I enjoyed it again. Aside from the ending, it was very quick. It didn't wasn't much of a struggle. Not a lot of drama to it. And, you know, spoiler for anybody that hadn't watched it. I'm give you a second here. But Ronda Rousey won, so you know she's going to WrestleMania. And, you know, and she's got a year contract. They say that she is due to work for the entirety of the year. So. I think it's pretty safe to say that she's very likely to win this championship now and hold it for an excessive amount of time walking into the next WrestleMania, or at least the next Royal Rumble. But she was the winner in a pretty underwhelming fashion that she dumped Charlotte out. Uh, the other thing that was interesting about that, and I'll get to Mickey James in a second, is that the inspiration to form Iconics turned them down. That was surprising to me that here we go, you know, two more people who were released by WWE were offered to come back and participate in the Rumble just to fill out the spots because they don't have enough women there, which is crazy. They've let go of so many people and now they had to call people from outside to, you know, come and fill the spots so they can uh, make the Rumble look interesting. And they turned them down. They said they were uh, reportedly, and this came from Fife, they were happy with where they were and what they were doing. And they didn't feel like, more, this is the most important part, they didn't feel like now was the right time for them to return to WWE. And that probably was right for them. So that when they do come back, if they decide to come back, if they ever get a chance to come back, they can make it, you know, no pun intended, they can make an impact there. Not just be released and then four or five months later we pop back up in the Royal Rumble. So let's talk about the Royal Rumble for a second. The big news there was, yes, Mickey James actually did walk out to the ring with the Women's Championship from Impact Wrestling. Surprise. I was very surprised because I, I just knew that WWE was going to, hey, look, now, you know what? We changed our mind. We put that belt down and just, you know, 
we'll uh we'll we'll mention Impact some more, but you can't be wearing that belt out there. Now I do have to say before I go any further, because I know there's a lot of people that talk about this like this is the first time WWE has ever worked with somebody else. Now these days it is very very rare. I admit that, and they don't really do it all that much anymore. But you know the WWE has had a history of working with other promotions, even if. The, the work that they did with these promotions is exceptionally brief or whatever that case may be. They've done it. Uh, what this reminded me of really was like the USWA WWF uh, working agreement that they had years ago. Because they had somebody from the USWA participate in the Rumble for, I think, Doug Gilbert. Like on USWA television, he won the opportunity to win the, the go to the Royal Rumble, and he was, you know, talking to I'm going to go in, I'm going to win, and I'm going to be the W, you know, go to WrestleMania, like the same stuff that we're hearing now or we heard now with Mickey James, and of course he did go in there, and he lasted maybe a minute or two, and then he got eliminated, so he got a chance to be on the big stage, but that was about it. Fast forward to now, and that's pretty much what you got here. The story was largely told on the other side of the fence. It was largely told through Impact Wrestling Television, not WWE. And we can't expect that. WWE, I'm pretty sure, feels like, hey, you know, we, we're a global entity. So you just being on our television is enough. And and truth be told, as arrogant as that may sound, it is is very true. Just being on that television is is enough in most cases. I mean, just off the top of my head, when I think about the, the people that have worked with them, I just say USWA. I know uh, Memphis Championship Wrestling when Triple H and, and uh, Kurt Angle wrestled for the WWF Championship on that show. Uh, ECW, of course, we all know about that. Uh Smoky Mountain Wrestling, they, they, I think they were the first ones to take a championship into that company and defend it, even though the, the, the crowd there was completely dead for it because they probably didn't know who they were and didn't care. But, you know, they came in and wrestled on Survivor Series. I mean, you know, they've, they've done a number of stuff both ways. Shawn Michaels going to Smoky Mountain Wrestling, his buddy uh, Landell. Defending the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, Vince McMahon becoming the heel in USWA. You know, the first glimpses of Mr. McMahon. He could probably go right on up the line. I forget which show it was that John Cena came in as a uh, referee. I'm doing this off the top of my head. But Vince McMahon showed up. And, you know, that was purely a favorite. They could never pay for that dude. But Vince McMahon showed up, you know, probably on John Cena's request because he wanted to do something for his father who had gotten into the wrestling business. So, you know, it is not unheard of for the WWE to do something with some smaller promotion. They've done it before uh, when it suited their need and when that promotion poses no threat to them, you know, regardless of how big or small it is. But it was, but it reminded me of that. I mean, long story short, it reminded me of that. It reminded me of the the USWA thing because all of that. If you didn't watch US, I mean the USWA. If you didn't watch Impact Wrestling, you probably wouldn't have known any promises that Mickey James was making 
about I'm going to win and I'm, you know, I'm going to go and go to WrestleMania and I'm going to challenge for the title, you know, all that stuff. You wouldn't have known anything about that. They, you know, they weren't even going to show clips of that to try to bump it up or make it look or sound good. Uh, but she got to come out, and, and more importantly that, she got to come out dressed as, presented as, and, you know, uh, a impact wrestling champion and as the persona that she plays in impact wrestling. She came out as hardcore country to the music that she uses in impact, not the WWE stuff. So that was a big win for her. That, that was a big thing. Now, whether that goes on, I mean, because I know she's like, well, I kicked the door down. You know, it would be nice if it continues on. I don't know if it will. Whether that happens or not, time will tell. But it was a big deal for her. It was a big deal for her to be the person that she portrays out, or, the, or the persona that she portrays outside of WWE Universe and representing the company that she works for currently. And not only did they let her come out to the ring wearing that, they interviewed her and she had that belt fully in camera view right over her shoulder with the Impact logo right there on it. And I'm sure, you know, that... that no, it wasn't television, but people watched their social media, and that was a big deal. It's on it's on our website right now. It's on WPNWrestling.com if you're listening to this near the upload date. So if you haven't seen it, you can go over there and you can check it out. But uh, <clears throat> that that was a, a major deal for them. And kudos to Mickey James for taking the opportunity to not only do that for her to get, you know, well, they'll pay me to come in, but to go in there and represent the company that she works for. And, you know, I, I, you have to give her credit and applaud her for that because I know most people don't like to think about think about her career this way, but she probably has spent as much time in TNA slash Impact Wrestling as she has WWE. She's been in and out of it like three times. She was there in the early, early stages before she was even known as Mickey James. When she was part of Raven's flock, and she was Alexis Lurie. And then she went to WWE, and then she came back. And then she went to WWE, and she came back. So, you know, she's been in and out of that place. She probably has as much tie to that as anybody else. So, bravo to her. Uh, when we looked at the Rumble, you had... 30 women that went into that. And again, I, I thought it was a you know pretty nice showing. But out of the 30, you had 12 non-contracted ladies coming in to WWE just to take a spot. So you knew out of that, 12 people had absolutely no chance to win this at all. Uh, it was a little disappointing to see Melina come in and get thrown out immediately. It was nice to see her in there. You could clearly tell that it meant a lot to her for her to show back up, be in that ring, be in front of those fans, be in that crowd, in that building. You know, she couldn't even hold her emotions in. You know, regardless of the fact that she got put out very, very quickly, you know, like some other ones did, uh, I'm sure it was a big deal for her. I mean, technically speaking, when we really think about it, Melina has challenged. She hasn't won, but she has challenged within – was. We can't say a calendar year, or we can't say within this this year, but we can say within a calendar year, with you know the numerically speaking, 
She's challenged for the NWA, Impact, and WWE Women's Championships within a year's span. Technically speaking, if you considering that you you know you getting in the rumble to challenge for, or she she challenged for the contendership. So yeah, she's she's been all over the place. So you know, big deal for her. But uh, Melina Kelly Kelly, Michelle McCool, Cameron, which I was a Ridiculous surprise, but I see once she was in there, why they brought her back now to help further Naomi's story. Uh, Ivory, the RTC version, the right to censor version. Brie and Nikki Bella, Mickey James, Alicia Fox, Summer Race, uh, 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 Sarah Logan, Lita. Uh, who is about it? Molly Holly. So, you know, you had. A lot of ladies that came in, you know what? I miscounted. 13. I didn't I didn't uh, count brief Nikki Bella. 13 non-contracted women showed up to, to be in the Royal Rumble. So you had 17 ladies who were actually part of the, the, the contracted roster that was participating in this. Probably 10 of which you could eliminate right off the bat that they weren't going to win. Like, when it came down to the Final Four, I was like, Shotzi's not winning this. Shayna Baszler, uh, no, she wasn't going with it. She hadn't been presented as a top girl on the main roster. In NXT, yes. In the old NXT, in the good old days of the black and gold. But, uh, yeah, she, she hadn't been even presented as a top girl. You knew when it got down to the nuts and bolts of it who was going to win and who wasn't. Um, the only thing that I really wanted out of this was I was pulling for Bel Air to win the Rumble. I didn't think she was going to because Rousey was rumored to be there and then she popped back up at the end. And was she like she was number twenty eight. So no big surprise that she won it. But uh, I was pulling for Bel Air to uh, to win it again so she could get her storyline with with uh Becky Lynch is still not too late, but it ain't looking good. Uh, we knew that the Naomi Sonya Deville thing was going to get kind of pushed forward. I am a Michelle McCool fan. I know I'm in the minority when I say that. I wanted to see her have a confrontation with Charlotte Flair. Didn't happen, but I wanted to see her do it because they – kind of remind me of each other. Not just the fact that they're tall, statuous blondes, but at when Michelle was there, she was the one that they pushed once Trish was out of the picture. Trish left, Michelle became the girl. And it's unfortunate for Michelle that she's kind of sandwiched between these two eras that her title reigns are kind of largely forgotten. Uh, you know, Trish gets a lot of attention for being a seven-time women's champion. Charlotte gets a lot of attention for being Charlotte Flair and, and having won everything that she could. Michelle McCool won the Divas Championship. She won the Women's Championship. Uh, she re- retired a little early, so she really didn't you know get that, that long span that some of the other girls get. And she never had a match that people are going to look back on and be like, oh, yeah, she was great. Now. I mean, she had some good ones, but – Nothing that anybody's ever going to bring up. Like, oh, yeah, you know, you should go back and watch this Michelle McCool match. She had a great heel turn. It was, you know, she had a slow burn to being a heel. I enjoyed it. 
But once she got there, you know, and she she was able to become who she was, it just didn't really do much more than that. Uh, I thought she had a way more potential other than being the Undertaker's wife. I know a lot of people like to levy that on top of her. But uh, it would have been nice. I think it would have been nice to see her kind of get to the finals somewhat like Mr. Perfect did when he made that comeback in the Rumble. Like He got down to the final four, and it was shocking. Um, but uh, the things that I, I was pulling for, for Bel Air, I didn't think Liv Morgan was going to win it. But I wanted to see her go to the end because she needs something to keep her in the the conversation about wanting a title match. Um, but that didn't happen either. She got kind of booted out. I am over the Nikki Ash thing. It just sounds ridiculous and stupid now. And, you know, what's the point of it anymore? She's gone heel. You know, and what is this almost a superhero thing? I was like, at what point do you graduate to being a superhero? Why would you even create that for yourself? Like, I'm almost a superhero. I'm kind I'm kind of good, but not really. That just it, that's that's loser talk. Come on. Anyway. <laughs> it was nice to see Sarah Logan pop back in. <laughs> it was nice to see her pop back in, you know, after having a baby and you know, getting to be Sarah Logan. That little brief moment with her and Liv. But, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I didn't think that that was going to go anywhere. I didn't think Lita was going to go anywhere. Like I said, I would have liked to have seen those two, Liv Morgan and, and Belair, get to the end. Uh, they got close. Belair got close, but she didn't quite make it. And, and Ripley. I don't know what they're doing with Rhea Ripley, but it sounds, it seems to me like she is just getting pushed further and further and further back. Like, whatever value she had is getting slowly chipped away and i just you know they have got to start making some of these girls you know bigger stars <sighs> anyway the rumble again throughout entertaining the end yeah little little anticlimactic but i could watch it again i mean it's, it's, it's not like it was terrible I've seen far, far worse. Uh, you know, speaking of Rhea Ripley, well, Rhea Ripley made me think about it. Tony Storm. You know, for you promoters out there that might be listening to this, she has officially made herself available for bookings. She, you know, you go to her Instagram, she is available to be booked. And I, you know, when I think about Tony Storm, it makes me think about Rhea Ripley that, you know what, <laughs> that that might be the path for her to get up out of there before they just run her into the ground. Well, she still has some value. I mean, she has a great, great look. And, you know, she, much like Tony Storm, she looks like a star. But she ain't getting that star treatment. I mean, she's turned into, like, you know, Charlotte Flair's personal flunker. If she wins the championship, she just drops right out of her. And if I don't who does who I got to look at my paper now. Oh, yeah. So Charlotte eliminated her. <laughs> It's like Charlotte Flair cuts her off almost at every function that she has. So, uh, whew, I don't, I don't know what to say. That I, I, I'm, I'm hoping something turns around for her, and I hope it turns around real soon. But that, that is the uh, the length of the women's Royal Rumble at their now since they don't call them pay per views anymore at their premium event. 
And then you have Ronda Rousey win and point to the sign for the next couple of minutes and, you know, well, seconds, I should say. So they can make sure that they got the shot of Rousey winning. You know, it's funny how she decides to come right, come back to WWE after calling it, you know, fake and they're not real and this, that, and that. And I can see that they've already had to show up on Raw and uh, give an arm drag to Baker Lynch. They've already portrayed her as, as like, I'm, I'm king of the heap here again. She's basically the female Brock Lesnar. The, the only money player that we've got because they know her as being legitimate outside of WWE. I, when I see these moments like this, it makes me wonder, uh, do, are they even trying anymore? Are they even trying? Like the ones that have gotten over seem like they've gotten over in spite of WWE or out of pure luck. See Becky Lynch, big time Bex. Anyhow. Let's move over to, wow, Women of Wrestling. Because they are back, and they are doing their show, or uh, correction, they've done these shows, and they've been sitting in the can for about two years. And I, can, I cannot stress that element of it enough, only because, now it doesn't take any way th- anything away from the viewing enjoyment of the show. You'll probably still enjoy the show. Only because, you know, there are certain things that may pop up here and there that, A, you might not remember unless you're watching this thing from start to finish with all these old episodes. I am not doing that. I am not going to start at episode one and, you know, watch 20 other episodes before I get to their their unreleased stuff. So some of this, they are playing off of feuds and storylines and angles that they began in 2019. And, you know, here we are now. So, you know, I'm relying on a lot of memory to get back to this point. And that makes it a little difficult from, you know, here and there. And two, you know, again, some of these people that show up on the shows are no longer there. Uh, I'm not entirely sure of those who are coming back and who are not, but, you know, uh, I think th- there's one name that you can kind of sit in that, maybe two, that you could just put in. Like, you know, there's a good chance that they probably won't be showing back up. Faith the Linus is not showing back up. She's, what is she, Nikita on uh, NXT these days? So, and she's with WWE. So I really doubt that we're going to see her. Thunder Rosa, maybe. She is all elite. She is with AEW, but AEW is a lot. L- more forgiving about who they allow in and out. So, <clears throat> this is episode 22. And uh, segment one, they start off with uh, the previous show recap. They're talking about what it took them to get to uh, the main event of the last show. And this is maybe the first time I've ever heard David McClain referred to as an on-air matchmaker. Now, we've known him to, you know, make the matches, but I don't know if they've ever said David McClain's is the is the matchmaker for a while. I don't know if they've ever said that on the show. He's done it a number of times. He said stuff like he was a boss, but they've never really officially referred to him as a boss. It was a small thing, but I just, you know, had to make comment about that. Segment two, firing a drilling recap on the exile attack. Or I should say they're making a, a, a recap on the, the introduction of exile, the tag team, which, of course, 
their introduction last season or again two years plus ago was attacking the tag team champions firing and drilling once they won the titles now that's another pairing i think i said this the last show i'll say it again i don't know if they're going to pop back up because uh kara hogan wrestles for AEW, but she also is you know a aw is a little less stringent she's been in nwa uh, she's wrestled a couple of different places so the fact that she's there does not necessarily mean that she will not be on uh, uh, wild television. But <laughs> like even her, her look has changed entirely, so I'm not sure how they would pull that off. But other than to say that, well, we just put the belts on hiatus and here you are, or some, some nonsense like that. This segment is just there to set up the fact that Exile exists, remind you who they are. Uh, Exodus and Genesis are the two young ladies that are there, and they work with Malaya Hosaka. This rolls into segment three, which is a match. But the match begins with Malaya Hosaka cutting a promo, which is very good. Uh, Hosaka probably not, you know, there's not a lot of women out there who's known for their their promo build, uh, skills. But uh, I would say that she was very good at it, and it sounded legitimate. It sounded like it was coming from, Something that she really experienced where she was saying, you know, the wrestling business, I mean, this isn't verbatim, but more or less that the business has not been fair to her. You know, she had to sit through the era of the diva. She had to sit through uh, the being the sideshow. Uh, she had to sit through watching MMA fighters step into her business and take spots. And basically is like well the bully busters encompass everything i just said so i'm going to sick exile on them which is what happened now i was wondering how good this match would be considering the four participants involved exodus and genesis who we have not seen russell and by all accounts we don't even know if they wrestle outside of wow i don't think that they do and keto rush and steffi slays who we know are wow originals and I'm always questionable whether I like them or not about WoW Originals. But the match was pretty good. And I would say a lot of that was, you know, Keita Rush, who I know has, you know, MMA background, so she's a lot more fluid in the ring than she was a couple of years ago or seasons, I guess, at this point. And she, you know, they did a reasonable job. I, I thought that the, the match went well. I'm not going to do a complete recap, but the Busters started out in control, but Exile, of course, they take over to get the heat on uh, Steffi Slays. At one point in the match, the ref got in the way of Keita trying to do a Rock and Roll Express spot. Uh, this is a spot that Robert Gibson was known for doing when he have a headlock on one person and they'll get a, a leg scissors on the other and then they'll take them both over at the same time. Uh, the referee was standing in the way. You can see that Keita had to like tap him, push him out of the way. And even the other girl, I think uh, I want to say Exodus, had to tell the ref move, you know, so they so they could get the spot in. Uh, so that that was kind of funny. But they got this. But they made it through. They they didn't seem like any anything was wrong other than the ref was out of position. Uh, Exile did classic heel switches. Get uh, Keita Rush pissed off and angry she charges in and the ref has to stop her they swap out um and they kept doing it for a period of time you see Malay Osaka being heelish on the outside 
but as as nice as I thought the match was, it wasn't anything overly you know overdone. As nice as I thought it was, I did not like the ending. Did not like the finish. The Busters won by DQ when Hosaka uh, uh, attacks Kita Rush. Kita gets the tag. She comes in. She starts cleaning the house. And then Malay Osaka comes in and attacks her. Which I didn't really see the point in that. I mean, again, this is Exile's debut. They should be debuting against somebody that they can beat. I didn't like this because I thought it shortchanged them, even though they got a beating in on the Busters. But if they were going to do that, I think they could have gotten there one or two ways. To get to the same place that they got, I think Malaya, all it would have taken was Malaya Hasaka adding in like one little thing to her promo where it's like, look, this is uh, Exile, my girl's making a statement, and we're not concerned about the win or the loss. The end result is going to be the same. You're leaving here on a stretcher and taking residence in the hospital. It starts with the bullet busters and it ends with the tag team championships. Something along those lines would immediately put that in the place. So, all right, well, we know that they don't care where this goes. And I wouldn't have had the match go that long. If that was their ultimate objective just to hurt uh, one of the bullet busters, which they did in the, in, you know, in the wild universe, um, Leo Saka comes, they attack her with the chair, they, they, they hurt her leg, they put the figure four on, she's pulls herself up, you know, trying to break her leg, pull herself up by the rope, her being Malay Osaka. Um, if that was where they were going, I was like, it, it, there's no reason for this to go any longer than, what, two or three minutes. Just have them attack them. Just have Exile attack them, and then, you know, once the <clears throat> the bully busters start anything, just, just break this up, push the ref out the way, and show that they do not care. We're not concerned about this win at all. And go with the same ending. The other way that they could have done it is the way that I would have liked is for them to get a win. Just bring in two girls that are local to California, have them come in and take the beating, job them out, and then be done. Have Exile stand strong as the winners. Not just stand strong because they beat them up, but because they beat them up and they have won a match. I mean, I guess there's no real you know, consequence to them losing because I'm sure they're going to not be shuffled around in the win-loss anyway, but it would have been nice to see them win on their debut. Uh, segment four is a recap of the Dixie Darlings who, you know, they're introducing and, and they're basically trying to make them out to be pranksters now. Which wasn't what I got the first go round, but they're trying to make them out to be pranksters, like, oh, you know, Dixie Dollars are about good fun and, you know, having jokes and this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah. And so that that rolls into the Dollars interrupting the disciplinary and working out with uh Ste- not Steffi Slade, Samantha Smart. And they come in and they're annoying her, you know, and you know, she the disciplinary co- turns to uh, address them, and they're like, I'm not Jolene, I'm Jolene, I'm not Jolene, I'm Jolene. You know, they're, they're doing that just to bother with, like, I don't care which one you are, just get into the ring. So we got a tag team that's going into a singles match, and we know why they, I, I knew the second that they announced that this was not going to be a tag match, it was going to be a singles match, 
I knew where this was going. I was like, the display is going to lose, and it's going to be because they switched on her. And that's exactly what happened. It, it was, you could see it coming a mile away. So here we go. We got Wild Tipping and making them out to be pranksters. It's almost like somebody heard me complaining about the way that the Dixie Darlings were presented originally made them look and sound ridiculous. And there was no reason to root for them when they're doing stuff that caused people to lose. I was like, you know, because they showed the whole thing that happened the previous season. They stealing them stealing the boots of uh, Jesse Bell and Amber O'Neill. And I remember making the comments like, well, they should be mad at them. They stole their boots right before their match. That's not a, a harmless prank. It cost them a shot at the titles. That you know, they they tried to portray it like, oh, it was just good fun, and they you know, ha ha. I was like, no, I would be rooting for, and I did. I was, I was like, I'd be rooting for Amber O'Neill and Jezebel. In this case, they have every right to be mad at them, and they have every right to beat them up for it. So so now we got this explanation that they they're kind of impish, and we're, we're we're just having fun, and these are jokes, and having a good time. And so they did what they do, and they joking around because the one of them came out with glasses on and a and a yardstick imitating Samantha Smart. Uh, I don't know which one was in, you know, because they are identical twins. I know they said it, but I didn't write it down. So the finish was, you know, they, they there was a cutter performing this match, and that wasn't even the finish. So like, how how is it that the disciplinary hits a cutter on this woman and she didn't stay down? But anyway, so what happens is there's a get up to complain. One twin rolls out, the other one rolls in. She takes off the glasses, gives her the yardstick. They switch. She gets in, acts tired, rolls up. One, two, three. And even though Samantha Smart's out there protesting it, there's you know they lose the match. The disciplinary has a horrible win loss record, and wow, she's just constantly losing. And so now she gets on the mic. Well, she gets in front of the camera like this isn't over. You know, basically threatening that they're going to get even with the uh, Dixie Darlings. Which, at this point, I'm not even sure if they want to be referred to as Dixie. But that's that's a whole different thing. Um, segment 7, a recap of the Linus and Lana Starr's relationship. Essentially telling the viewers that the Linus did not want to participate and what Lana Star was doing. Lana Star wanted uh, her to cheat and use her mirror to win, which against uh, Reina Reyes, which she did not do, um, and wound up losing for it. But at the end, Lana nails Reyes over the head with the mirror, and she takes her headdress and tears it up. This was only there to set up a different match featuring Reina Reyes going against Princess Ozzy. They did do a little touch-up on Ozzy, um, basically talking about how she's transformed and all that whatnot. Uh, and and also to get you past the point that her look has changed, her being Reyes, her look has changed again. She doesn't have the headdress because Lana Star tore it up. So now she has a different look, got a different outfit, more Canadian colors, red and white. And I think she has the maple leaf on there as well. And we go into a wild ad, and then it's followed by segment nine, the actual match, Princess Ozzy versus Reina Reyes. Ozzy walks out, and she looks evil, and she looks possessed. 
I was, uh, well, you know, I know they're going to do a little bit of the showbiz, so I wasn't surprised by this. Um, the, and I wasn't surprised that this would be a reasonably good match. This is Giselle Shaw and CeCe Chanel, both women who work on the indies. So they walked into WOW with experience on their side already. That already gives them a heads up in my book. And WOW is playing up the former friend story. And it starts off with, like, uh, Reyna Reyes, like, well, you don't have to, you know, what are we doing? You don't have to wrestle me and blah, blah, blah. You know, looks concerned. And, of course, Princess Ozzy is not listening to her because she's underneath this spell. Now, I'm going to stop for just a second to say this about that. Why, you know, they, they got on the commentary, like, you know, she has to wrestle her friend. I wrote down, why does she have to? Why does she have to take this match? Why does she have to wrestle her friend? First off, from what I recall, how good of a friend was she? I mean, they they played, yes, they had matches as a team, but does that really account for being her friend? And I don't remember at any point Reyes trying to help her when she was kidnapped by Holiday and, and Siren, and much, you know, more or less brainwashed by them. She didn't go to the promotions like, hey, we need to do something. She didn't call the cops. She didn't institute a search of her own. None of these things took place. So how, why is it that she has to have a, like, what, what kind of friend is that? You know, the way that you're portraying is like, we're best friends. Like, I don't see that at all. Where is this coming from? Two, for what reason does she have to take this match other than that David McClain made it? And if that's the case, then put the heat on David. Like, well, David, you made the match. What do, you know, I just want to see how it worked out. This, I, I did not feel the emotion or the drama of the, the old wrestling trope of the former friends wrestling each other. I didn't get any of that. It was a good match. But I didn't feel the drama of that they were trying to portray. It just it, it just didn't work for me. Like I said, I don't see any reason why, A, she had to take the match like I have no alternative but to wrestle you, or B, why all of a sudden I'm your close, dear friend when I didn't bother to help you whatsoever, or at least very minimally. Because if she had tried harder, then maybe she could have tracked her down and got her from the you know, siren. I mean, they all work in the same place. How difficult would it have been? Anyway, but that's, that's applying logic to this situation. We don't need to do that. So anyway, Ozzy is the possessed heel, and they, you know, they have a nice exchange between the two of them. Um, Rez did a twisting flapjack kind of out of a suplex position, which was nice. Uh, they had a nice exchange of kicks. Reyes nails a super kick, and this is the end of the match. I'm skipping over a lot of stuff. After she puts Ozzy down with the super kick, she goes for a Scott Twister press, and boom, Reyes is attacked by Holiday and Siren. I believe she won the match, but she's attacked by Holiday and Siren. They come in, and they are saving their uh, new recruit, I guess we'll call her. And... As she's taking the beating, as Reyes is taking the beating, then out come the Psycho Sisters. Uh, Fury, Holiday, I mean the Holiday, Fury, Spike, and Mesmera. They come out to attack 
the uh, the the team of Holiday Siren and Princess Ozzy. So this seems like that's that's the growing uh, rivalry and you know feud that's happening in WoW. I'm sure they will drag this out until the end of the season where they have a blow off match between the six of them or something along those lines. I'm not sure who is supposed to be the babyface here. It's still. Like I said, when they started it, when they start teasing this to begin with, this feels like a heel versus heel faction thing. I'm not sure who is I'm supposed to root for in this, but we'll we'll let it play out and see if anything changes. Segment ten, Serpentine, who we know is Thunder Rosa, is doing a sit down interview, and she's doing it entirely in Spanish, which I thought was a nice touch to her persona. And she's pretty much, they got the uh, captions on the screen so you can follow it if you do not speak Spanish. Uh, But she's pretty much explaining to the viewing audience why she became Serpentine. You know, how she began to identify with the serpents and the snakes and so on and so forth. So this is the lead in to the main event. This is the... First championship defense by the wild champion who, theoretically speaking, has probably held the championship for like 700 days with a no title defenses underneath. She won the belt, but she hadn't defended all through uh, 2020 or 2021, and here we are in uh, 2022. I mean, you know, if, if we're going by the TV timeline. All this is old, but you know they 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 never put it that way on uh, uh, Wikipedia or anything like that. So this is the championship match, and I was not worried about this is all at all because Thunder Rosa is a uh, is a pro and exceptionally good, and I knew that they having her in the ring with the Beast was only going to make the Beast look good. And that's exactly what happened. The Beast played the power game and pretty much shoved her around, shoulder blocks, clotheslines, this, that, and the other. And as this goes on, Tessa Blanchard comes out and attacks Serpentine. And then Jungle Girl comes out and attacks the Beast. Of course, the Beast takes over on that. And I think that the brawl on the outside happens with Blanchard and uh, Serpentine. It's, this was a short match, and it ended with a DQ. So we had two disqualifications in the, in the course of this one-hour show or less than an hour show. But uh, I guess you, you do what you can do with the Beast. Um, again, much like with Exile, it would have been nice if her inaugural championship defense had been a dominant win. It didn't necessarily need to be over Serpentine, but it would have been nice if the first time she actually had to get into the ring and defend that belt, she was able to beat somebody for it and not be interrupted and all that stuff. Now, you know, they could have had the match last week, you know, in the previous episode where it's like, hey, I'll take on anybody open challenge and have one of the wild girls that ain't doing nothing, that has no storyline, that really has no name, come out there and take the beating. Because that's all they really need off of her. She's, comparatively speaking, kind of like their Goldberg. I need somebody that we could just 
run through the competition, make it look dominant, and then move on. And that's what they did. So, you know, it it had been nice to have seen that, to have had that, but uh, alas, that didn't take place. And it finished off with the uh, disqualification. As we move over to the next episode, that'll be episode 23. So what did you think if you looked at WoW? Did you like the episodes? Are you watching the episodes? Were you able to find the episodes? Because I know some people have um, had some some technical difficulties locating uh, WoW for, you know, whatever reasons. And I will say again, yes, WoW is a little difficult to find um, under their their page because it, it doesn't take up real estate on the front page for whatever reasons, or at least not when I look for it. So if you're going on there, if you uh, on one of the apps, if you're going on to the CW app, if you're going on there, you should be able to find it when you just hit all shows. It, it should bring that up there. And if you're on Pluto, at the top of the screen, there's live TV and there's uh, uh, on demand. So you want to go to on demand and then click it and scroll down and look for a while through that. So that those would be the two ways that you find, you know, wow in this instance. Now, there's one other thing that I want to bring up before I, I close it out as it relates to WoW, because, you know, this would be the perfect transition to talk about it. Um, and that is, there was, <laughs> I like having conversations with people in some of the uh, the groups and, and things like that. And uh, uh, the, the wrestling circles and so on and so forth. It is... Interesting, some of the opinions, and I and I can't get, um, I can't get upset or mad at anybody for you know their opinions about it. You know, certainly not. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be that arrogant to do that. But I will say, I think sometimes some of the uh, statements are not thought through. Uh, one of which was. When they made the announcement that they were going to get TV and they were going to get uh, TV as as relates to syndication and you know being spread out across the country through uh, Viacom and and CBS or CBS Viacom, one person was like, "Oh yeah, well that's that's going to put them right on uh, par with AEW and WWE." This is not something I'm making up. He he felt like because they will have that, they will be on par with them. Now, I will say that them getting the syndication will give them an edge that most other rustic promotions simply do not have. I agree with that. And they might be positioned kind of as a third brand or a third wrestling promotion maybe and I'm I'm saying maybe we have to see where their uh their reach goes when they start airing the new episodes at in the fall 
But if they are on a, if they are a third brand, well, a third wrestling promotion, or you know, whatever the case may be, however you want to look at that, they they'll be a distant number three. Like I like Wow, but I I'm not going to sit here and you know blindly say because they have that that they're going to just suddenly. Oh well, yeah, they'll be right up there on the same level as WWE and and AEW. No, they will not. I'm sorry to disappoint that guy, but no, they will not be on the same level as Wow. I mean, as WWE and AEW. That is just not possible. WWE is, you know, and I'm not saying this to be defending WWE because certainly they do not need me to defend it, but. They are a global brand. They air all over the world. And they air all over the world live. And they air every week, multiple times a week. And they got a huge billion-dollar five-year deal. All of those things don't put them into the same. I mean, it's like when people back in the day would talk about what ECW was the third, you know, the third party in the Monday Night Wars. No, they weren't. They were a distant number three at best. Yes, I was there. I was watching. I was looking at it. And ECW was great television. But they were distant number three at best. You could not put them on a business scale on the same level as WCW or WWF at the time. Not in terms of the buildings that they did. Not in terms of the reach that they had. The distribution that they had. The numbers that they pulled in from from uh, uh, pay-per-view, merchandise, the or uh, or any other uh, way that you want to cut it. You just could not do it. Fast forward to now. WoW, again, I like WoW. I wouldn't be watching these episodes and reviewing them if I didn't like them. But to, to think that they would be on the same level as them, no, they, they are not. And unless they get a different uh, television deal, unless they start running all year round, unless they start doing merchandise sales that are ridiculously high, unless they have a global reach and various other things start touring, uh, there's no comparison. There's no comparison. You know, I mean, I would go so far to say is that it would take them some time just to get on the level of Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling doesn't have a lot of reach. They have a singular reach with Access TV, the same place that Wild was on two years ago. And I'm not sure if they get a lot of views through through Access. I have to go back and I have to check the ratings and all that stuff like that. But Wild doesn't get a lot of people. But they are consistent. They don't stop and start. They don't have seasons. They do. They still do pay per views. They, you know, they they air it through fight. They air it on traditional pay per view. They still do the things that keep them going. They still push merchandise. You know, they're still trying to cut deals. You know, even though they've kind of dug themselves into a hole over the last couple of years, but they're still trying. And the one thing that you can say about Impact Wrestling that. You know, a lot of other places couldn't. Is that they survive, regardless of the circumstances. Somehow or another, they stay in there. 
I know there's people out there that don't like Impact. They don't want to give it the time of day. They don't even, you know, they some people have wished basically death upon the promotion, which I would never do because those people need places to work. But um, they 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 continue to survive. They continue to keep kicking. Wow has not done that almost anywhere under any circumstances in any incarnation of Wow that existed. This is the fourth incarnation of Wow. And if the TV deals, for whatever reasons, get cut short again, they'll go right back into hiatus because they don't run all year. They don't try to run all year. They don't even make the effort to do it. Oh, 52 weeks. I'm not saying that they have to, but once a brick wall comes up in front of Wild, that they, they shut that thing down until the, you know they can work out whatever the next deal happens to be. And that works for them, I guess. But no, no way, no way in the world can you look at that company in a business setting? We're not talking about personal opinion because I know some people will, will look at it like, well, the matches are just as good and they got just as much talent and they got a billionaire behind them and all that. I say, yeah, they do. They have all of those things. Genie uh, Bus is a billionaire, is a multi-millionaire, if not a billionaire. She's got the money to fork behind that thing. She's got connections. That's probably the entire reason that they on CBS Viacom to begin with. But one thing I will say, she I don't know if that's just a vanity project for her. She she doesn't push it the same way that some of these other owners push their product. It's just another thing in her business portfolio. And she gets to have her name attached to it. She gets to take credit for it. She gets to do a lot of things with it. But the one thing that she doesn't do is she doesn't push it beyond that. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't make WoW try to get to a point where it is a wrestling promotion rather than a TV show. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to keep going on that because it makes me sound like I'm, I'm just burying WoW. The, the point being is to answer the question, no, WoW is not and probably not going to be the number three promotion in the country. I, I sincerely doubt that. Nobody's going to ever look at it that way until they start doing other stuff, until they start selling out other buildings, going to other locations, selling big merchandise, selling out pay-per-views or you know something along those lines. Until those things happen, I knew that will not be a thing. So with that... We will close this chapter and this review of WOW Women of Wrestling and the bonus material that has gone along with it. Thank you for tuning in to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you would be so kind, I will repeat. And you like what you hear, give it a thumbs up if you're listening to it on YouTube or you know, like it or review it. Um, any other location... If you're just stumbling across this and you have not uh, considered following, please give it a consider that you may uh, subscribe, follow, like, share. Those things help support the channel all the way around. It helps keep us within the algorithm so people can find us. It helps keep the brand of the WPN alive. And, uh, you know, I know some people would ask why you don't push the matches I think I answered it the last time, but I'll say it again. A lot of that was just because of uh, the pandemic. 
pandemic came along and a lot of the partnerships that we had at the time or I, I constructed at the time just got put into hiatus because they were in hiatus. Couldn't do anything. You know, I was, I was having matches and paying the talents because I had a place to put them. But uh, a lot of those uh, locations, uh, they're slowly coming back around, but uh, but a lot of them are, haven't been back. My primary partner hasn't come back at all. So we'll see. But anyway, uh, any other questions, comments, please leave them below, or you can contact me directly. Just leave a, uh, your comment, and I will uh, read through it and uh, maybe read that on the air or respond to it on the air. I'll be bringing this thing back around in short order since I got to get to these matches and get to these shows. Thank you again for your time, your effort, and your support. And on that note, folks, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long. And we will see you on the next go-round. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.